0: Wednesday Breakfast acknowledges that we broadcast from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Boonwurrung peoples of the Kulin Nation. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge the continued resilience of First Nations peoples in the face of ongoing colonisation and settlement. We recognise sovereignty has never been ceded, and a treaty has yet to be signed. This
1: is Tracy cr Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis Clap and current affairs. Monday to Friday, seven AM until eight thirty AM. Early
0: double.
2: Good morning. You are listening to Three C R. It is the third of July. Um, I'm Edwin. I'm Will. Good morning. <laughs> Good
0: morning, everyone. How's it going?
2: Oh, it's going cold. It's it's finally, yeah. it finally feels like winter.
0: Oh, it does. It mm. does. Winter. It also really feels like winter because we are both sick. Yay. <laughs> but
2: we're here. <laughs> we're here. I'm yep. wearing my outdoor jacket and my beanie right now. Nice. I tried taking off my beanie a minute mm. ago. I was like, oh, well, surely it's warm enough. Just for people at home,
0: no. I had one of wearing a very dashing <laughs> mustard knitted beanie and a what what color is that? Is that tan- no, that's not tangerine.
2: Oh, uh, it's it's pretty pretty highlighty orange. Really.
0: Highlighter orange. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with a, like a fake fur collar. Yeah. Love it. We got looks going on. I've got Thank my you. my lovely secondhand Italian wool moth-eaten oh. jumper on. Oh, beautiful. Yeah.
2: We were um. Uh, this is just a side story, guys, so mm. sorry about this. But we were at a market stall, and we, my partner found this men's fashion shop oh. that he loved. Mm. And it was really funny because, you know, we usually stay away from clothes, mm. but he just fell obsessed with some of these clothes. Mm. And we were just going around feeling everything. and It was, oh, this is amazing, amazing. And of course, the price tags were skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. We got a chance to talk to the amazing... Um, man who made all these mm. really cool garments, and he's just like, yeah, I only work with merino wool mm. and cashmere. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cashmere. that's why it feels so good, and what? it's so out of my price range.
0: <laughs> Please, what is cashmere? That's
2: a really good question. I'm having a look up right now.
0: <laughs> all I know, and this is... Cause people talk about it, and it's like, ooh, it's cashmere. Okay,
2: so it's this really, like... Oh silky smooth kind of really lovely almost like soft wool kind of oh, thing okay, so yeah cashmere okay. wool is mm. usually known is a fiber obtained by cashmere goats specific kind of goat goats. it's a specific goat there you wow. go um and yeah they did you come from people?
0: Kashmir? like it? Any...
2: <laughs> i don't know it says the also kashima goats so right. maybe maybe right. but um yeah it's just a beautiful beautiful material yeah so, you know, for this winter, I hope you guys have something cashmere or wooly or something mm. warm. Mm. <laughs> with the cold. Yeah.
0: I'm trying to like think of vegan alternatives that are just as like warm oh, yeah. and comfortable and like the only thing that feels good against your skin that I can think of is bamboo, but thinking, that's not uh, a really classically warm fibre.
2: Well, I mean, guys, if anyone knows any vegan alternatives, yes, feel free please. to text us in. Um, uh, <laughs> like, I'm going to give you our t- number. Right? It's oh, it's
0: 0488 809 855. That's 0488 809 855. We are not a talk back show. We haven't had the training. No. But um, if you send in a text message and it is not defamatory... I'm happy to read it out. I'm happy about you, Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Um, and just referencing our phone number, uh, Radiothon was a few weeks ago. Yes. Um, so we've almost reached our target. Ooh. I got, uh, and someone donated another $50. Ooh. So another $50 closer, which puts yes. us at about 160 uh, yeah. mm. And I'm getting paid Let's next say.
0: Wednesday, so I'll make another donation oh, as well. Oh, sweet William. <laughs>
2: sweet William. Um, but yeah, just letting you guys know, yeah. uh, although Radiothon has ended, you can still mm-hmm. donate if you're interested. Yes. Um, yeah. This $50 mm. puts us that much closer to our target, which is yep. lovely.
0: Radiothon for me, is just like the advertising period when we let people know that we need the cash. Mm. Um, I know that we've been doing it basically every week since then, but we haven't been making the whole show about donations. And so that's the distinction for me. But otherwise, we are always open to donations. We are always open mm. to new volunteers. Um, yeah, at 3CR. Absolutely. Community radio station. You're the community, so <laughs> come on, guys. Come on, friends!
2: Absolutely, <laughs> come, come on,
0: guys!
2: <laughs> just a real of voice. Um, yeah. Will, do you have the weather for us right now? I do. Or? I, do.
0: Uh, I just clicked away from it because I'm talking
2: about it being cold right now.
0: Well, it's um, it's getting to a maximum of fourteen. Oh, which we have seen before. Mm. And I feel like I'm not sure if it's because I was slightly feverish or if it's <laughs> um or what, but it oh, felt no. kind of mild outside. Yeah, look... Do you think so?
2: I think the sun is at, the sun is still gracing us with oh. its presence, and oh. I think that's going a long way to not mm. freezing completely. The
0: sun should be coming up right now. It's mm. weird on Wednesdays I don't get to see the sun come up.
2: No, oh. no. Uh, at one point also I was working on Tuesday nights, so it was horrible because it was mm. like going home in the dark and oh. leaving home in the dark. Oh, that's scary. The weird that's circle. Kind
0: of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's going to be mostly cloudy today. Um, patchy morning fog, mainly over the outer eastern suburbs, with a 30% chance of light shower. Mm-hmm in the late morning and afternoon, um, and then there'll be f- fog patches redeveloping later tonight with light winds. So we're not going to have Sydney-style fog. Did mm. you see those pictures? No. No, in Sydney three days ago, they had, like, mad fog, as in <laughs> all throughout the harbour, Yeah. Um, people driving across the... Just thick. ...that... Um, really ugly bridge that they're so proud of, weirdly, <laughs> um, and yeah, like you couldn't see more than five minutes ahead of you, and wow, yeah, thick, yeah, yeah, yeah. real thick.
2: <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. Well, weird, weird weather, mm. weird weather. Um, but it sounds like it's pretty good today. I do yeah. find it odd though that the weather forecast says that random patches of fogs will be just kind of. Showing In up. In the afternoon. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> as it gets
0: cold again, I think it's because it's high humidity, but I wouldn't be able to talk to that.
2: Can you um, just feel like it just kind of be like, hey, dude? And just like <laughs> showing up somewhere? <laughs> like, whoa, where did you come from, man? <laughs> Personifying fog. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like fog would really be like a. Hey, dude. Like a slow voice. Yes.
0: Okay. Okay. Anywho. Um, so what, what do we have coming up on the show today? It's kind of a clip <laughs> yeah. show, I because, guess. Yeah. Um, because I, I'm sick and I didn't get around to do wow, it. Well,
2: Looking back at some fantastic uh, oh, yeah. conversations, yeah, really. Yeah.
0: Um, in fact, um, we, we've got clips from um, Marie Kionis, who spoke to the UN Human Rights Commission just yesterday night. Mm. Um, f- I think it was 5 p.m. Australia time. Um, uh Making a really powerful statement to um, the UN Human Rights Commission, of which Australia is a temporary chair, I believe, Um, and speaking about the hypocrisy of this and how Mm. does it make a whole heap of sense that whilst genocide is ongoing on these lands, that we are the head of the Human Rights Commission? (laughs)
2: Absolutely. At 8 o'clock, we're going to be kind of switching that up uh, with conversation with Bevan from the Independent and Peaceful Australian Network. This uh, organisation's been going on for a long time, mm-hmm. and he's going to be talking about... Uh, IPAN's position on the arising escalation with Iran, stressing the need for Australia not to follow the US into this arising conflict. Mm. So that'll be really fantastic. And then next week, uh, sorry, not next week, coming up after that at about 8.12ish, we'll be uh, getting Tilly on the line. Now, Will, you didn't meet Tilly last week, but Tilly is um, a lovely person who I met about a week or so ago. She's going up to uh, Queensland at the moment Mm. in a few weeks Mm. or in a week or so. And she's just going to be talking a little bit about uh, what she's doing up there against uh, Adani and kind of that
0: movement. Mm. So, yeah, it'll be great to get her on the line. Yeah, to get an update. That'd be fantastic. Giving us a bit
2: of an update. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But uh, that's about, that's our rundown mm. for the show. So we're going to get um, Nitty Gritty on by Shelia Elise, which is, you know, the theme to Alternative News, and get on
1: with that. So folks know about
0: You're listening to Wednesday Breakfast, 3CR Community Radio. Um, So first off, I thought we'd listen to that clip that I mentioned earlier. Um, So Marie King-Ernest was in Geneva representing the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Corporation Family Violence Prevention and Legal Service, um, which I believe is now called JIRA, um, and speaking about uh, the state of human rights for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders in so-called Australia and why it is strange that we should have our place at the table in um, the Human Rights Council in the UN. So let's listen in.
3: Mr Vice President, I'm a Gunno and Gunditjmara woman. We call for internationally scrutinised treaties with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and a Truth and Justice Commission. Australia has a shocking human rights record when it comes to our people. The country was built on and continues to thrive on genocide and dispossession. Today, Australia's genocide takes place in the form of taking our children away, the the abuse of our women, and unjust incarceration of our people. Australian systems continue to perpetuate colonial violence Domestic treaties without international scrutiny will mean very little when Australia regularly suspends laws like the Racial Discrimination Act to create apartheid laws. An example of this is a Northern Territory intervention. Just one devastating impact is youth prisons in the Northern Territory being filled by only Aboriginal kids. Yes, our kids make up 100% of youth prisons in some parts of our country. We must question why Australia has a position on the Human Rights Council when our people continue to feel full impacts of significant human rights violations. Sovereignty never ceded. Thank you.
0: And that was Mariki Ona speaking on behalf of Jeddah at uh, the UN Human Rights Council. Um, very powerful statement. it 's
2: a huge amount into a very short yeah, space of time. Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. They don't get a heap of time. There was like a roster of about. Um, twenty or so mm-hmm. speakers at this. Uh, what was a like a general debate? Mm-hmm. Um, mostly focusing in this instance on the human rights of indigenous peoples. Um, if you want to listen back to that clip and hear other clips, um, from that same uh, session, I think you'll have to follow Jira um, you know, on Twitter, DJI If you search them on Twitter, that's the way that I came across this clip. I wouldn't be able to tell you how to get to it otherwise because it's a bit. It's um, impenetrable. It's on webtv.un.org, and um, you have to kind of search for a bit, so... Hard-hitting, though. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Um, uh, should, we, should we talk about the papers? Yeah, let's talk about the papers, um, so- not Not in any huge depth. We just kind of noticed mm. a trend... Oh, Absolutely. For what's in there.
2: So I suppose the thing is, alternative news, we're trying to do what's not on the headlines. Yes. So I we thought we'd reference <laughs> the headlines and then tell you that it's wrong. Yeah. So, Will, what have we got on our morning?
0: Um, the Australian's headlines are, rate cut to spark house prices jump. Um, and then there's also another one, uh, wannabe ISIS warrior at heart of church consulate bomb plot. Mm. Um, and so it's just um, very prominently, in fact, it takes up a good um, half of the... the Top half of the top half of the newspaper? <laughs> you know how it's a broadsheet? Anyway, so I'm looking at the front half anyway. Um, and it's got a picture of a gentleman um, with a beard um, wearing one of those sort of white hats with a, the red kind of, not not kefir, but like red and white spotted thing. Okay. Anyway, yeah. it's basically just trying to. The idea is you're supposed to look at this picture and think, oh, what a scary man.
2: Yeah, it's perpetuating the same rhetoric we've been hearing Yeah, for the kind last of Islamophobic um, mm.
0: racist. Image, like using that underneath the banner wannabe ISIS warrior at Heart of Church consulate bomb plot. Um Herald Sun. Yep. Uh it's mostly an ad for um a certain paid television subscription service. Oh. Um a about little it. part is it's about the interest rate. So a lot of people are really interested in the um a lot of people in mainstream media mm-hmm. are interested in the interest rate cut. Um and this one they spin as a warning of dire straits, um, according to Terry McCran, and so oh. that's that's interesting. Um, financial Review, unsurprisingly, um, is covering, again, the interest rate cut. It's been cut to 1%, mm. um, which is a historic low. Yep. And, um, yeah, And, yeah, there's definitely something to read into that, I suppose. Um, and then The Age, uh, the front page is just an ad for a, one of the big banks. But if I turn in, they've got similar stories. <coughs> Terror arrest, alleged plans to hit Sydney targets... Um, And then the main headlines are, do more to rescue economy, says RBA, and it's about the rate cuts again. So the big story is rate cuts and terrorism.
2: Yeah, so money and terror. Mm. Well, that is a little bit depressing, uh, seeing as we have such a multitude of other problems we could be focusing on. Mm. And with this kind of touching on, this is not so much alternative news, but it's kind of on the agenda, I suppose. Uh, Parliament is back as of this week. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to reference kind of some of the things that have already happened, what's coming up on the agenda, and then... Mm. Bring it back to what's happening this week. So, what's already happened? Well, what's already happened is uh, Scott Morrison and the Liberal government have given themselves a two percent pay rise. Uh, the same day as about seven hundred thousand low-paid workers had their penalty rates cut. Mm. This was a few weeks ago, but that means it's an increase of about ten thousand dollars, seven hundred sixty-nine as of Monday this week. Mm. That's added money to his salary. Um, currently, MPs and senators get a base and annual salary of two hundred and seven thousand dollars one hundred. And that means that two percent uh increase will deliver about four thousand pay rise for backbench MPs as well. Mm. Uh so yeah, alternatively people coming out from the the industries that are getting their penalty rates cut have said this could uh, lose as much as two thousand dollars a year for kind of hospitality workers. Mm. And this Penalty rate cuts come in force on July the 1st, so again, on Monday. So, I don't know, just looking into the story a little bit more, it was kind of just reinforced the idea that our parliament's not really made up of people. It's made up of kind of silver spoons. Mm. Uh, And they're quite happy to screw over the rest of us while they get a nice pay rise. Anyway, what's coming up on the agenda? Well, Scott Morrison's uh, foreshadowed that he'd like to bring up a Religious Discrimination Act Mm. into parliament uh, following kind of the Israel Falau, big religious freedoms fallout. Mm as well as um, very much on the agenda is the reversal of the Menivac bill. Um, this was the, men the, m- evacuation, the emergency evacuation bill, which would say that refugees on offshore detention centres and asylum seekers on offshore detention centres would be able to be brought across to mainland Australia to receive medical care, emergency medical mm, care. Yep. Um, Dutton has said there's about 300 people on the waiting list and about 30 people have been transferred, so that kind of gives you an idea of the situation at hand. And, yep, yeah, so Scott Morrison's signalling at the moment that he wants to reverse it, which is quite scary. Anyway, and on this week, in particular, um, the Treasury laws amendment will be tabled for debate. Now, big name. Its official name is Tax Relief, So Working Australians Keep More of Their Money Bill. Oh. 2019. That's nice. <laughs> yep. And it's the first uh, kind of tax reform. Of the liberals plan three plan staged plan uh, that is currently up for debate now, uh-huh. um, just a quick reference to labor Labor has said that it 's willing to pass the first two of these tax reforms, but is starting to is saying that the third reform which is proposed for two thousand and twenty four should be left for debate until closer to that date. Mm. But what are these tax reforms? Well, mm. will and I both have very limited knowledge on this on this, so what we 're going to do is combine us <laughs>
4: <Yes>. <laughs> our understanding
2: <laughs> um, so i 've got a conversation article here called Your Income Tax Questions uh, Questions Answered in Three Easy Charts Labour and Coalition Proposed Side by Side It's got three different contributors but basically it lists the first major um, part of this three stage plan, so what's being debated on Thursday Uh uh, as the low and middle income income tax offset which gives everyone earning less than uh, $126,000 a year, a check in the mail come July and then another one following in three years So a nice kind of, you know, payback to low middle-income earners. Mm. Then stage two, which is planned, proposed to be in uh, 2022 to 2023, will lift the threshold of the 19 and 32.5% brackets. Mm. Will, can you kind of break that down for us a bit?
0: Uh, So my understanding is that if uh, (laughs) – this will sound really dumb to people who already know – what we 're talking about, but this is something that i 've only actually just figured out mm-hmm. um that if you 're on the nineteen percent bracket you 're a lower income earlier, and so basically our tax system scales, and so the more money you have, the more of a proportion of your income is taken in tax oh. so when they 're talking about thirty percent income um, tax bracket that 'll be the people who are earning like two hundred thousand or one hundred and fifty thousand or thereabouts and thirty seven is people who are even higher up, way way higher up the the income scale and so That's that's what they're talking about.
2: Absolutely, and then Mm. finally, the biggest cuts will come in stage three, which is as as I said, Mm -hmm. Labor has said proposed. uh, Sorry, push back until it actually comes to effect, which is Mm. in 2024 to 25, when the 32.5% tax rate will be cut to 30%, and the 37% bracket is removed entirely. Mm. So So these are the richest of the rich. The richest of the rich. Receiving
0: a significant tax cut from 37 to 30%, because that's going to be the maximum. It sounds like. Absolutely, and the effect
2: will. Be um, from everyone earning from between forty-five thousand years uh, forty thousand forty-five thousand dollars a year uh-huh. to two hundred thousand dollars a year will face uh, the same thirty percent marginal tax rate yeah. as of July first, twenty twenty-four. So, yep, a flattening of the tax. Yeah, everyone faces that sort of that tax rate. Mm. And um, the commentary to come out of this uh, referenced is that this will be a hollowing out of government, obviously. Revenue? Coffers, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that we won't have as much public spending funds and mm. that this could really mean not only a huge move to more, or more so a move to privatisation and mm. kind of the privatizing of the state, but really a huge reduce in, like, public spending, public infrastructure, you know. Health, mm. schools, psh, just the, the unnecessary things. Yeah,
0: okay.
2: <laughs> um, and we've already seen that in effect, actually. I was amazed because I read that headline about the tax cuts. I was kind of breaking it down the other day. And then South Australia, the teachers were on strike on Monday. And the governor of Australia is coming out and going, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter how much... Sorry,
0: the, the premier of South Australia? Premier of South yeah. Australia,
2: sorry, yep. He's coming out and saying, oh, it doesn't matter how much you teachers protest. There's not money in the budget. You're not getting it, basically. Mm. So it was a... It was a a bit disheartening to see that we're already seeing kind of this mm. this remove this move away from yeah public funding funding mm. or we could be at least mm. uh, so yeah those are things on the agenda uh, I mean if you're interested in any of them I do strongly suggest you write out to your MP that's what they're there for they're there to represent you and just a funky thing just on a side note and I'll wrap this up pretty fast but the way your MP vote should be the way you want them to vote, right? Mm. They're they're representative of your interests. But sometimes it's hard to keep track of them, especially when they're locked up in Parliament Mm -hmm. and, you know, you don't want to scroll through parliamentary readings for years. Mm. A really useful website you can go to if you're interested in how your MP votes and you want to make sure it's exactly the way you do Mm -hmm. is uh, htps, semicolon, forward slash, uh, theyvoteforyou.org.au. Mm. And I'll put that link in the description. But I just thought it was a really useful tool Mm. for us to kind of keep track of our MPs.
0: Theyvoteforyou.org.au.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And with that, we'll probably uh, throw to a song and then get into our first interview.
0: Yeah, let's do it. And you're listening to Wednesday breakfast on three C R Community Radio. The time right now is seven twenty five.
2: Mm. Uh, just a quick update that was Fufa for Fashion by Handhell.
0: Mm. Good song. Uh, good song. I like
2: it. Uh, we're throwing to our next kind of or catching up with a previous conversation we've been following with our Professor Chelsea. Doctor Chelsea Oh, sorry.
0: okay. So Doctor Chelsea Bond is someone that we've um benefited from the wisdom of for quite a while. Mm. Um, uh and in this case, uh Dr. Chelsea Bond is speaking to Hey, Auntie, the podcast. Um, a lot of you folks may be already familiar with Hey, Auntie, but it's a really great um, set of conversations with black women, for black women, um, and the rest of us can benefit from it just listening to to this um, this free wisdom. <laughs> so it's a podcast called Hey, Auntie, and it's really great, and I recommend you listen to it. They're in the second season right now. They speak to all sorts of people. They've spoken to Tiny Nonis Williams about loving your body, and in this case they're speaking to Dr. Chelsea Bond, um with the title is feminism for us and in this uh this is just an extract of um of a longer conversation it goes for about 40 minutes or so um and in this um Dr. Chelsea Bond is talking about um her own personal experience of feminism and her conflicts with um how mainstream feminism doesn't um allow for discussion of race and um and other, uh, intersecting topics so um let's listen in
5: So, yeah, I've had this really interesting... I thing that really, I guess, I could not understand um, those who declare themselves to be feminists, the the absence of race in the course of those conversations, the absence of class in the course of those conversations, for instance. Um, And so for me, as a black woman, as an Aboriginal woman, um, I have a white mother, a cosmetically apparent black father. um, So when I had to think about gender, it was... I had to think about race. I couldn't, it couldn't suspend that from my th- analysis. And so when Morton Robinson says all contexts are racialized and gendered, I understand what that means. Um, and so I, I can't dissect my lived experience and kind of speak of one over the other. And I think, I think feminism has demanded more, um, black women be silent about race than black communities have demanded that we be silent about gender. Um, and the spaces in which I can talk about, um, gender, um, you know, it's not that Indigenous communities, it's not problematic at times. And I've certainly had conversations within my own community about, um, black men and what they do to black women. Um, but I just feel there's more room to, there's more, um, room to breathe in those conversations. There's more kind of space to have them. Whereas, um, within, um, in a broader sense the sisterhood we have to be nice polite white ladies um to get a seat at the table and i can't do that
6: um yeah i can completely relate to that i think even when i was younger and i was exploring these ideas of feminism you know i was a we were the only black family one of A couple of black families in our village and so my difference was really apparent to me already and I had already observed even as a sort of primary school age kid that there were ways that we were treated differently because my mother was black and there were things that um, already felt um, uneven and unjust. Apart from the gender roles, apart from the fact that I had to paint my mum's toenails for her and my brother never had to do that. And, you know, those those things did make you think life's different for girls. And I'm not sure if I subscribe to that, especially because I Mm. was quite a tomboy as well but i as you say our lived experience is so layered how do you separate separate and give priority to one aspect of the ways that you feel that your identity is dictating the way that you're treated over the other but then i think when i got into high school and i started to understand more kind of the political structures of feminism and feminism as a movement and a thing yeah. that other girls would talk about I definitely felt like it was almost like a conversation that the cool girls had <laughs> <laughs> right. yes yes because that raises a um, conversation. I, it doesn't fit so neatly between um, who's your favourite in the top ten, and you know which boys do you like at high school. You know, in between would be oh yeah, and this isn't fair because we're women and we're gonna we're gonna you know I think one of the things we did as an act of you know feminism was we uh, we decided to join in the speeches at the end of the sixth form formal, which were for men, and that was like our act of feminism, and we could discuss that and then flip back on to talking about boys, But if I was like, let's talk about racism and institutionalised racism and systemic racism, you know, I knew there was no space. I knew that already. And we've seen lots of examples of that, I think, when
5: um, black women um, forget their place and go, oh, well, it's safe to talk about oppression, let me talk about this. Well, let me call this out, and the way in which um, uh, Black women or women of colour are scolded about that for for, for that misstep. Um, and I was I was doing I was doing some research for one of our shows recently, and I stumbled across um, um, uh, something on the Today Show um, for an old clip from around the Adam Goods booing saga. And um, Jacinta Campbell, who's a white woman, married to an average, I think Aboriginal AFL player. I don't watch AFL. Um, but she was talking really nicely to them about the booing situation and took a position on it, but was quite bold and courageous to what she said around race. It was really great. Um, and this was on the Today Show some years ago. Um, and they all went, oh, wow, Jacinta. And they, like, applauded her and they celebrated her. And I was almost annoyed... At watching the response, because just this year, Brooke Boney, an entertainment reporter who's an Indigenous woman, reluctantly responded to a question from some nice white woman on the panel about Invasion Day, um, even though she's the entertainment reporter, and tried to be as nice as she possibly could to the Today Show audience, knowing that her mob were also watching her. Um, and she was so... Um, so politely, you know, saying, it's just not for me, I'm not imposing. And she was, she was not applauded. She was like, and and those sisters didn't stand up for her publicly, not that I could see on the record. Um, You know, so it's this kind of, this sense of betrayal because we're watching and we're seeing that it works differently for white women. And they they seem content with the, the, the arrangement, almost too content with this arrangement.
6: Yes, I think what you have highlighted there is such an integral part of uh, what you learn from your lived experience as a black woman, which is that if I join in certain conversations, there is a price I will pay that you will not have to pay. And so, uh, you know, I've got more skin in the game than you from jump. Absolutely. And so we have so much more at stake sometimes. And
5: you know the the other thing is that the the failure to recognise that there is so much that black women concede on the daily that we have to be silent about because um, we've got to go to work. Or we've, you know, we've got to survive or we've got to keep our professional reputation intact so we're not seen as one of those, you know, wild black women or one of those troublemaking black women. Um, and so, uh, and, and that's the thing. I was just like, even today, because I'd seen a number of, um, indigenous women who had been asked if they'd read something or whether they finished reading something. Um, and it's like, you know, we've long done the work that no one else is going to do. So rest assured, we've done the work. Um, you know, it's this kind of, this sort of patronising condescending thing that we just haven't thought things through. The other tactic that's used to silence us is the kind of trickle-down kind of feminism. That, you know, let's let's deal with women on boards and you just wait your turn. Um, yeah, nah.
6: <laughs> I think this International Women's Day was really interesting for me because I saw... A lot of campaigns about uh, which were I felt sort of subtly addressing the topic that we're discussing today, because they were almost defences of feminism. They were saying, right. "Look at all the things that we have now because of feminism. Feminism has done so much for us, you know." And absolutely, I love the fact that a woman is no longer. But I, I also was kind of reflecting when I was watching those things that. Violence against women is still an epidemic in Australia, as far as I'm concerned. But women on boards, I might be a bit controversial saying this, but to ask for labour, to ask for us to prioritise getting women on boards, in Australia we don't even report on racial diversity in organisations. So for me to be focused to get women on boards, I have to be really honest with myself and say that's helping white women to get on boards because they're the only ones who are even within striking distance. And it's, and,
5: and, and it's helping middle-class white women get ahead. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the, the thing where I feel like I, I, I can't bear false witness. I can't testify to those lies. Yes, all those things are great, but I also have to... My body tells the truth about the limitations of feminism. Um, My history tells the truth about the limitations of feminism, and it's refused to see the humanity of black women, non-white women, non-middle-class women. Um, So it's that... It's like, yeah, I'm not against feminism. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Can can we get some of it? Uh, (laughs) Can it work for us too? Can Uh, we get... Some of it. Yes. And I guess that's the question. Not, the question is not is f- feminism for us. Is will it see us? Will it hear us? Um, will it include us? Um, and, you know, the buzzword intersectionality, everyone's using it, and white women love it. It's kind of like a way for them to feel okay about being a feminist, like they're one of the cool ones. Um, but there's this thing about the way in which black women's bodies are used to accessorise this kind of intersectionalised feminism. That's not anything different. Um, and just as I'm not going to be an accessory to white knowing, I'm not going to be an accessory to white women's virtue or their claims to it. Um, the reality is, white women in this country have a long tradition of violence against Aboriginal women and a difference to that violence. Um, they weren't um, innocent bystanders. Um, they were the people that our grandparents and, and for some people who lost it, their parents had to report to um, who were restricted by. Um, so um, white women have got to come clean um, and fess up um, to the violence that they perpetrated against other women.
2: And that was Dr Chelsea talking to um, the Hey Auntie podcast, which you can find on any podcast streaming service. We'll be back in a minute.
7: Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition, parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions and look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117.
2: A 3CR supporter.
1: Don't panic. There is a Planet B. Come along to a sparkling night of progressive comedy at Green Left Weekly's annual comedy debate. Join Masters of Ceremonies, Rod Quantock with Sean Bedlam, Duff... Fiona Scott-Norman, Child, Kirsty Mack and Tom Tanuki. Tickets are $50 Solidarity, $30 Regular, $22 Low Waged and $12 Concession. There'll be a bar and the opportunity to buy a delicious dinner. Friday the 26th of July, 6.30pm at the Brunswick Town Hall. Don't panic, there is a Planet B. A fundraiser for the radical newspaper Left Weekly. Bookings are essential. Phone nine six three nine eight six double two, or go to trybooking.com forward slash BDHTX. Greenleaf Weekly is a 3CR supporter. Celebrate the end of Radiothon with the friendliest punks around. Greek Resistance Bulletin is throwing a party featuring pest, somatised, parlour, punter and gun laws on Saturday the 6th of July at Bar 303. That's 303 High Street in Northcote. Listen on Tuesdays at 10pm for news from the social movements of Greece in English and Greek and join us to celebrate the diversity of punk and support Community Radio 3CR. Check out Greek Resistance Bulletin on Facebook for more details.
2: And you are listening to 3CR. That was a hit by um, Emily Waramara. Next up, we have a um, kind of conversation we're tuning back in on. So on Black Block this week, Viv, Robbie and Nick spoke with Dr. Anne Polina, Nikiana traditional custodians from the Mudawara Lower Fitzroy River in West Kimberley region of Western Australia, about a campaign by traditional owners to protect the Fitzroy River from invasive and exploitative development. Let's listen in.
8: Now, as promised, on the line, we have Dr. Anne Paulina, who's the chair of the Muduwara Fitzroy Council from Broome yeah on the Fitzroy River on the Fitzroy River so how are you and please tell us what why this Matawarraf Council was formed and and who's involved. First of all thank you for the
9: opportunity to talk with the listeners on the East Coast it's a a great opportunity to do that Um, a couple of months ago in early March uh, we had the opportunity to invite um, Badger Bates and Grant Rigney from NBAN and Mildland to come over and share some of their experiences in regards to what's been happening on the Murray-Darling Basin and the rivers over there. And it was quite a wake-up call in regards to seeing, you know, how governments and, you know, big corporations have absolutely disregarded our precious and sacred rivers and to see the disaster that's been created in the Murray-Darling Basin from what we think are a couple of very, very big greedy frogs up the river system. So um, I think what's important is for Aboriginal people to be able to share the stories that are happening around the country in regards to our rivers and living water systems and you know some of the struggles that we continually are faced with today um, in regards to how people from somewhere else want to develop our, our lands and waters for somebody else. So that's really important. So um, <clears throat> back in 2016, traditional owners from along the Fitzway River met and we declared the Fitzroy River Declaration and um, we've been looking at the way, you know, some of these things are being planned for our rivers, particularly in northern Australia in regards to development. So in 2018, uh, six of the different native title groups came together to form the Matawara Fitzroy River Council and we've come up with a a set of terms of reference and an MOU for how we're going to be working together with our native title um, groups and the council and looking at... Some of the big development pressures that are heading our way um, over over the coming year or so. So um, that's a bit of a starting point in terms of where we came from, what we're doing, what we're doing and why we're doing it. So I guess to put it quite simply, one of the things that we're trying to do as um, traditional owners and guardians and custodians of our sacred river, because people may not be aware but the Fitzroy River was national heritage listed in 2011 because of its outstanding examples of cultural stories and environmental values that are closely linked to the river. And also the whole of the river, 733 kilometres of the river, is registered as an Aboriginal heritage site within the WA um, Aboriginal Heritage Act. So it's a very significant river. It's um, highly, uh, highly prized by people who want to look at how they're going to do development from it. From a global perspective, there's not another river like it anywhere else on the planet. So it is globally unique, and um, I I guess what we're saying is that how do we look at um, this amazing river system and start to do business differently? Because one of the things we want to put out there is that the Matawara-Fitzroy River Council is pro-development, but it's development that's going to ensure our sustainable life and life ways living on country and with country, and so that's really important. I think the other thing to make note of in regards to um, sharing with the Eastern States listeners is um, that the river, when all of us came together to get it registered under national heritage, all of the nations along the river said, this is a sacred river system. The Matawara-Fitzroy River Council represents Yungurgu, which is the rainbow snake in my part of the catchment, but as it moves through the different native tidal lands and waters, obviously because our laws are place-based and sometimes the names of that sacred uh, living ancestral being, which is the rainbow serpent, is changed in, in terms of the naming. But it's a significant river system and at the moment we're definitely at a at a crossroads with the proposals for development um, within the catchment. We currently have uh, uh, a request by one of our um, pastoralists to look at developing... Um, well, it's hard to know what they want to develop because at one point, you know, we heard that, uh, there's a proposal to grow cotton on the Fitzroy River. And it's really interesting in regards to some of the people who are behind these types of developments. I mean, the GoGo station or the GoGo passways has, um, has got members of the Harris family that are involved. And those of you that may be on the East Coast and have heard that, you know, the Harris family, not into, not this particular family, but Connections to it in terms of the extended family have been taken to the New South Wales Land Administration Court because of water theft. So we're just a little bit worried in regards to what people's intentions are. Excuse mm-hmm. me, it's very difficult to know what people are actually proposing because it's such a long lead up time in regards to when people put their plans in and the opportunity for Aboriginal people to respond. We've also had conversations from Gina Reinhardt, in regards to supposedly trading her land for water. And one of the things that we've been very clear about is that pastoralists don't own the land. They have a lease to develop their property around pastoral and if they had the right to diversify, and possibly around agriculture. But just making it very clear that we've not seceded our land and that we are still standing as sovereign people and that the Matawara Fitzroy River Council is a place where all of the different groups can come together and learn about... The science and the policies and the legislation, so that we're in a better position to be able to um, make sound judgments about how these developments
10: are to proceed.
8: Wow, thank you, Dr. Anne. Uh, this, it sounds like a massive from here, from where I'm standing, a David and Goliath battle here. You've got the Pastoralists and Graziers Association. Four ministers in WA that... Because I know WA and Victoria, Yeah, it's so
9: regulated under four different uh, ministers. That, that's correct.
8: Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? I'm not sure what I can... Oh, Robbie, do you have a question? Hi, oh, Anne. Yeah.
10: Well,
9: um, <clears throat> one of the things is I'm also the chair, deputy chair for um, the Walla PBC, and um, one of the things that's recently happened is that we've had a very big uh, foreign Chinese company buy one of the pastoral leases, and it's been quite out there in the news in regards to it's highly likely that this company may have... Um, created or performed an illegal act in regards to illegal clearing of vast amounts of native bush. And um, one of the things that uh, some of the traditional owners have been able to do is take it to the Indigenous Peoples' Caucus, and apparently the caucus has now taken... It has an official complaint to the United Nations. And so we've got these sorts of things on the agenda. But Aboriginal people from right around the catchment, but also pastoralists from all around the catchment, are watching this story in regards to what's happening at Yakamanga because it will really set the precedents for how pastorals do business with Aboriginal people, particularly around diversification and where some of these pastorals are wanting to go with very large-scale um, agricultural and irrigation of possibly cotton. Um, also hearing stories about uh, diversification in regards to looking at different forms of herd management. And one of the big issues is that we're saying that the Fitzroy River Um, management plan, which the government is developing, needs to be co-designed with the Mottawara Fitzroy of the Council and other Aboriginal groups, and that we need to be very careful about the water allocation plan, because at the moment, many people do not realise that water in Western Australia is actually free, so we're quite concerned that we don't want to see water used as a tradable commodity, and that there are very strict conditions put on these uh, licences. So the Fitzroy River Management Plan needs to be an adaptive plan that can respond to climate change and changes in terms of river flow. But I think the most important point that the Matawara Fitzroy River Council is wanting to put out there is that we're not talking about a water allocation plan. We're talking about the reallocation of water because we believe that the catchment is currently being uh, used by the environment and by traditional owners. So what we're saying is that most of this um, really needs to be, if not all of it, put together so that we are following science, not politics, and that Aboriginal people are front and centre in in the government's decision-making in regards to the Fitzroy River and uh, the management plan and the water allocation plan. So thank you for the opportunity to share some of these stories. We hope that there may be an opportunity to keep members on the East Coast updated in regards to where things are going and how things are proceeding. But we've got a short window in time because the management plan is due to be put out as a draft and we want to make sure that that draft management plan, Fitzroy River management plan is peer reviewed so that there's greater scrutiny and we're also looking at what we're calling a water reallocation plan by the end of 2020 so yeah, big pressures coming to the Fitzroy River we're very grateful for the sharing from Badger Bates and uh, Grant Rigney, it was a really good insight into the way governments continue to do business with Aboriginal people because as we know none of us are in a post-colonial framework, we're still getting invasive and exploitive development, and we do need to stand together and be united if we're going to unpack a lot of the complexity, particularly around land, water, and our
8: people. Thank you, Anne. 3CR, and I am um, available anytime you want to put out um, information and let's, yeah, keep this momentum going. I really appreciate that. That would be great um, yeah. if
9: you could... You know, we're ke- keen to keep uh, people on the East Coast... Um, uh, you know, um, with this matter updated, but we're also pr- producing quite amazing film that we'll be showing on the east coast. So, I might come back to you in regards to making sure we've got Aboriginal people uh, included in our um, in our showings around the country. And yeah, once again, thank you for the chance to uh, share this story. Just, just one thing, Anne. Just uh, people will be listening to this. How, how can they help, and what can they do? Because you know, we people are interested in what's going on there. And um, what can we
6: do? How do we get in contact with you?
9: Well, I mean, through my email, through my phone. But also one of the things is um, we're looking to set up our our own uh, website and our own portal. And that way we can, you know, share our stories and people can contact us directly. So in the next couple of months, we're getting our communication strategy up in our campaign. So we'll definitely keep people involved.
2: Oh, good on Just keep up the good work, if I was. Yeah.
9: And I might yeah, see you yeah. in a
8: couple of weeks. I'm, I'm headed home to now for a little visit.
9: OK, um, well, um, see how you go, because on the 30th and the 31st, we've got a meeting in Fitzroy Crossing in, um, of July. And then um, in August, we've got a very big meeting with government and the pastoralists and other people who believe that they've got a right to take as much water as they want from this amazing river system. Anne. Well,
8: thank you.
10: Dr. Thank Anne, you. it's Nikki. I'd just like to thank you from the East Coast to listening to your passion. I don't want to say too much to you to disturb what you're doing. It
7: sounds amazing, but I um, really enjoy listening to your passion and your
5: organisation. You've got a good map and hope people follow you. Yeah, well,
10: it's about
9: following the river, you know what I mean? That's the sacred ancestor and we've got to do the right thing under our duty of care to the river.
1: That's right, mm-hmm. it's Deadly. Yeah,
9: and like you say, you know, it's all of us standing together. It's not a one-man or one-woman show. We all yeah. need each other, and um, I think it's a great opportunity to come together, and um, it's actually the first time in the last 40 years with Native Title that so many different traditional owner groups have come together and said, no, we need to stand for the river, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah good on you all. Deadly. Good luck no to worries. you. thank out. you. Okay. I really appreciate it,
8: you know, because no really close anytime anytime all right okay take, take care, care bye 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 all right that was dr anne and like we just said we're going to keep those lines open fitzroy to Fitzroy. yeah well. okay so <laughs> sharing information Yes. Yeah. 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 deadly yeah. and that was Viv, Robbie, and Nick from
2: Black Block, there, speaking with Dr. Anne Planer, the Nik- Nikina traditional custodians uh, from the Murrawara Lower Fitzroy River in the West Kimberley region of Western Australia, about their campaign by traditional owners to protect the Fitzroy River from uh, development. Now, you can actually follow along with this story on Black Block, which, will, which airs every Monday from 3CR from 11 o'clock. I really suggest you hook in with that. Otherwise, if you want to follow online, uh, there is a website. It is www.klc.org.au, which is uh, the Kimberley, Kimberley Land Council, and that's. Uh, she did reference in the actual uh, in the in the last interview that there will be an independent website more tailored to the Matawara kind of claim. However, the Kimberley Land Council seems to be the main port of call at the moment. So they're on their own website, and if you look up the Kimberley, Kimberley Land Council on Facebook, they also have some social media you can follow along with. The time is 8 o'clock. We'll be back after this short song um, with, our first in, with our first interview. And that was a little feature song. Sorry, we couldn't play the full of it. Uh, Will, do you have the name there for us?
0: Yes, it was called Le Tentes La Dimanche, and it's a song by the Zen Circus.
2: Yeah, next up. Okay, so we're moving into something different. I just want to take us down a bit of a history path uh, quickly. So through the ANZUS Treaty in 1951, Australia and America entered into a diplomatic and military alliance. Uh, you guys will know this. It's why we fo- we have American military bases in Australia. It's why we follow so closely behind their foreign policy. And it's uh, partly the reason why we followed by the nose into the Iraq War. So we now have, now with conflict uh, in with Iran kind of on the horizon, as the US and Iran have escalating tensions between them, we have Bevan, uh, the New South Wales representative from IPAN, the Independent and Peaceful Australian Network, on the line to discuss why we can no longer justify such a relationship with the US in relation to this conflict. Good morning, Bevan. Good morning, Gwen. Good morning. So with the uh, recent week's escalation between the US and Iran, both sides have reached somewhat of a tipping point. I mean, the US is threatening overwhelming force in the district, um, as Iran states that it's back on track to push past uh, their uranium crap that had been previously negotiated by the JCPOA. This feels a little bit like history repeating with this idea of escalating tensions. Uh, What lessons have we learned from last time uh, that this escalation happened, and what do we need to be wary of? Well,
10: the United States has created this Problem. Trump has created this problem, which um, uh, his allies in Europe and elsewhere have um, uh, denounced. Because in 2015, an agreement was reached with Iran. In fact, there was a negotiations at the United Nations level, mm-hmm. in Iran and France and Germany and Britain. And and USA then, under Obama, mm-hmm.
9: um,
10: negotiated this joint comprehensive plan of action which meant that Iran would stop uh, enriching its uranium up to a, a certain level that allow international inspectors to look at all their uranium facilities mm-hmm. and um, uh, everyone was going to be happy and in fact the international group did inspect and they were quite happy that Iran had complied with the terms of the JCPOA and indeed a type of peace treaty had been reached and the United Nations Security Council actually endorsed it now, Trump came along mm-hmm. and he said this was a bad deal and mm-hmm. withdrew the United States from it. He went far further than that. He reimposed sanctions on Iran. He um, threatened, or well, the United States threatened, any company which deals with Iran, mm. does business with Iran, couldn't do b- deals with the, uh, business with the United States. That's a pretty strong sort of a thing, and that has caused the escalation to the current crisis. Obviously, Iran is not happy. Um, having these sanctions all, and these uh, impositions mm. back on it. And um, just recently, I think the press has said that they said they will not agree any longer with the JCPOA and they'll continue to enrich the uranium. Uh, yeah, and, absolutely. Um, that's, Australia, by the way, originally supported that JCPOA. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, the um, the alliance seems to really are exactly head and um, Trump and, and uh Morrison have had discussions and Morrison said he backs the USA all the way with mm. a harder line on Iran. And um, other commentators are saying that if this means um, a war, break of hostilities, that Australia would be expected to be involved. Um, Edwin, this is another case where Australia gets drawn into a war which has nothing to do with us. Mm. We do trade with Iran. Last year, I think it was... million worth of trade with Iran. We had no problem with them. Um, And yet um, to be drawn into the hostilities uh, would be not to our interest. Now, not only would it not be to our interest it would diametrically oppose our interests. And you'd like me to go on on this, or would you like to go Absolutely,
2: in? absolutely. So it, it, it's really fascinating. Obviously, uh, any sort of conflict, any sort of war, invites huge humanitarian crisis. But uh, something that IPAN and, uh, Bevan, you've been making uh, emphasis on is that this is so strategically opposed, like um, against Australian interest and national interest. Uh, could you kind of explore that a little bit for us?
10: Sure. And it's very important that... Um, well, if it happens, we will certainly notice it because uh, successive Australian governments, both parties, mm. major parties, have allowed Australia to have a deteriorating self-sufficiency in fuel. Mm. Now, um, whilst I'm talking here about oil and petrol and diesel and stuff, and whilst you and I and most of us who listen to 3CR would say that the government should replace that with... Um, Efficiency and um, renewable energy sources, and we certainly agree with that. But as we're at the moment, we, we, we're apparently depending on quite a bit of this oil to come through the Straits mm. of Home right. Is, which would be in the war area if the war broke out. And, um, uh, well, insurance companies won't actually ensure ships that go into a war zone, so you wouldn't have the oil tankers coming up and down that, no. Um, no. that gulf. And Australia's fuel supplies would be um, severely affected, mm. and um, we'll have long queues at the petrol station, maybe the price goes up to $4 a litre, um, maybe there isn't enough to support transport, and maybe the supermarket shelves will start to get a bit printed mm-hmm. because coals and woolies can't deliver. I mean, this would be in direct contradiction to our needs, mm. and uh, as I say, the alliance, which draws us into that autom- almost automatically, is in stark contradiction to what a Australia's needs in this particular case. And uh, IPEN has consistently said that we need an independent foreign policy, we need to back away from this US alliance, make our own decisions for the benefit of our people, and to pursue peaceful relations with all countries, including the USA and China, um, and trade to mutual benefit. We should stand up on our own feet and look after ourselves, and not think we have to go following along after the world's... world's, uh, Greatest warmonger, I would say. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Hi, Bevan. This is Will from 3CR as well. Um, I just wanted to ask. So, I'm, I'm just thinking about the hundred thousand Australians who are either born in Iran or have Iranian ancestry. And always to think that there are human humans on either side of this equation. We were talking about the economic um, disadvantages of war with Iran, of course, but there's also a human cost. Yes. There are 80 million people in Iran, um, and I, I, I don't see popular calls from there for a war on the... Uh, um, fr- from the people for a war on the US and vice versa, that Americans and Australians don't seem to be um, sort of bearing, bearing for war. So what what really is the driver of this um, this uh, well, rising intention?
10: The driver is that the United States... And John Bolton, by the way, I think the Secretary of State, has stated it very explicitly... They, they want to change the regime in Iran um, because the Iranian um, uh, revolution in 1979, um, which overthrew Bashar, mm. nationalized the Shah, nationalised the oil. It took the oil back in, under Iranian control. The the, the the history behind that was that the British originally controlled the Iranians' oil. It was a revolution by um, uh, uh, Dr Mohamed Mosaddegh Mos- 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 uh, they nationalised the oil. Then the Americans organised a coup against him and put in the Shah of Iran. Mm-hmm. And then there was in 1979 an Islamic Revolution, which um, uh, took the, the, the oil control back to Iranian hands. Mm-hmm. Now they've always um, hated that Shah of Iran being being overthrown, uh, the Yanks. And uh, I think there was for the 444 days the Iranians held to Americans hostage and they've never forgiven them for it. But the basic thing is regime change, like it was in with Sudan, the same, like it was with Libya, with, with Gaddafi. The Americans want a regime favourable for them that can, 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 can uh, exploit their situation, their oil. They have foreign companies, transnationals, working in the country and exploiting the oil, but it, it puts it back under American and Western mm. control. And I think that's the key reason behind it all.
2: Absolutely, and it was, it was really fascinating you mentioning sanctions, because obviously last time we saw sanctions on Iran from a global perspective, it absolutely crippled the economy, uh, the people were starving, and it was, it, Iran was almost forced into a point where it was economically, yeah, it was, it was economically strangled. Uh, so the GC- JCPOA was uh, this amazing, well, this agreement that came out of it uh, between the US and kind of Iran and a few other parties. And it, it provided kind of an outlet solution to it. So with the reinstating of sanctions, we're probably going to see Iran very much respond, or well, we are seeing res- Iran very much respond in the same way. Uh, I suppose my question to you is, um, whilst the U.S. has removed itself from the agreement, Iran, France, Russia, U.K., Germany, and China still remain active parts of it. And Iran has even suggested that if the other parties are willing to negotiate and kind of draw the U.S. back into line, you know, remove sanctions, join in back with the agreement... Um that they, it might be willing to kind of further negotiate, do you think this this agreement, which was quite effective when it was first put in place, could still be useful, could still hold promise?
10: Oh, absolutely when I, I mean that's what Pi uh, Pen said in the press release that uh, mm. we believe that the, the, the USA should return to the JCPLA, which overwhelmingly had the support of United Nations and uh, European countries, China and Russia, and Iran, Iran itself. Mm. It was a type of peace arrangement, and um, it's only been uh, undermined and broken by the USA, which mm. has caused this crisis. Now, to return to it is the obvious answer, but to, to the extent that um, uh, its allies, USA allies, including Australia, could persuade us to do that, um, is questionable. I mm. mean, we hope that they could, and we've urged them. Urged, um, um, P.E. and Morrison do do urge them to do so, but uh, uh, because Australia is so uh, subservient and Mm. it's thinking to the U.S., it doesn't dare make such suggestions, um, as I see it, anyway.
2: No, it sounds much more like a symbolic relationship rather than a rational one. Sorry, what's that? So it sounds so much more like a symbolic relationship or or alliance rather than an actual rational one. Yes, there's
10: no Mm. rationality there, that's
2: for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Bevan, I have to kind of finish off with my thoughts, but I know watching these kind of escalating tensions and, you know, the news on TV, it it really is kind of horrifying to watch the rising conflict that is happening between these two superpowers. Now, you've been in the game a long time, especially with IPan. Um, what do you think is really the key point we need to get across to Australians so they're tuned in, so they're actually focusing on this, and that we, we try and move away from this relationship with the U.S., with this subservience, this sycophantic kind of relationship with the U.S., and really stand on our own two feet on this issue?
10: Well, I think it's that very thing what you're saying. Is when we get across to our listeners, Australians, uh, we, we need to stand on our own feet. Mm. We need not to be dependent, um, or think we are dependent, need... Um, this US superpower, um, which is a warmongering uh, power that we do not share values with. Mm. They keep saying that we share values with them. I don't know what values we want to share (laughs) with with the United States military. Mm. Um, And look at what they've done when you go from North Korea to Vietnam to Afghanistan, just as a whole series of things. In fact, their own president, President Carter, um, uh, I think it was earlier this year, said that the US was the the worst warmongering country in history yeah. and it had only been not at war for seven years
2: yeah.
10: uh, in its entire history of the United States. Mm. Um, we don't share values with those sort of values with, with them and uh, the sooner we make the, the break and are prepared to stand at our own feet. Now there are commentators who are already in the most mass media talking about this, but they they want us to then like Hugh White. Professor Hugh White was saying Perhaps we need we need to triple our our defence expenditure. Yeah. If we're going to stand in our own feet yeah. and acquire nuclear weapons. Of yeah, all. I mean this is we want to stand in our own feet, but but surely we don't have to go down that path.
2: Mm, no, I, I, I noticed that. Sorry, I, I, the the enthusiasts as I saw that publication, I was going. Really, is that the the alternative? Uh, so it sounds like we need to, as you said, um, kind of separate ourselves and come up with some where we want to actually go define our national interests better.
10: Well, thank you. Um, Edwin, yeah? can I just add a comment? That Absolutely. There are countries like Switzerland and Sweden mm. who have been taking a neutral stand on wars. Mm. Um, and I think there's a case for Australia to look at the issue of neutrality, yeah. um, uh, peaceful relations with all countries, and trading to mutual benefit and standing aside from from wars like but they, they do. Maybe a more neutral position would be to our advantage.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Bevan, uh, for giving us kind of your perspective and obviously the International um, Peace Alliance Network that you're from. Uh, well, hopefully kind of hopefully we won't see too much more of this and we'll see you move back to the JCPOA. Uh, but, yeah, thank you for coming I, on.
10: I hope so, too. Thank you very much.
9: We appreciate, like, you mob and all the people coming and visit us and doing stuff like this, you know, it's very good. It keeps a positive mindset in our mind, you know, and we really appreciate it.
10: Because of her we can,
0: I wanna be a better, better man
10: yeah, Because
5: of we can. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project Giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria You can listen to audio from this year and previous years
8: online anytime
7: How do you rehabilitate someone? They just put you in a cell and tell you this is how long you're gonna do and it's meant to rehabilitate you, you know? Rehabilitation starts when you get out that's when your life begins again, doesn't it? In you here, your life's on
1: hold.
5: Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the Or if you'd like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419
10: 8377. When I first come
8: to this day, was about 10 years ago, and, and I was a young one. I wait for young ones come off the truck the other day, and... They call me Annie Marlene, so it helped me recognise and realise it might like, pull myself up like ER. they starting to look up to me, so I've got to represent and do the right thing now.
2: Just go
5: to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars.
7: QR code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes,
1: hear us engaging with our communities, discussing diverse and intersecting topics on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR code
0: and follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR, funded by the City of Yara.
10: Did
9: you know volunteering contributes to a happier life? Want to know what you can do to make a difference in your local community of Whittlesea? Whittlesea Community Connections hold a volunteer information session every month. It is a friendly session where you get to meet others and be linked to not-for-profit organisations. Contact Michelle from Whittlesea Community Connections on 94016630 or visit our website www.whittleseacc.org.au to find out more a 3CR supporter.
2: And you're listening to 3CR. Now we've got a quick last um, interview tag in. I don't know. Uh, we've got Tilly on the line. If you get, Folks, remember we had Tilly last week talking about the, uh, their experience in the Progress Conference, but uh, this week Tilly's going to be talking about um, their upcoming trip to Queensland. Good morning, Tilly.
4: Good morning, Idwin. Good morning. i um, for having me.
2: No problem. Uh, now, Tilly, uh, last time you were in studio, you didn't meet our wonderful co-host, uh, Will.
0: Hello. <laughs> Hello, Will. <laughs>
2: so Hello. I thought we'd introduce on air. So, Tilly, you're going to be kind of going up to Queensland soon. Uh, could you kind of give us like a brief discussion about what you're doing up there?
4: Yeah, cool. So um, tomorrow morning I'm jumping on the train and I'm going to try and make my way up to the Adani camp, which is, um, which is, 50 kilometers west of Bowen, Camp Bimbi. It's, uh, it's a bunch of uh, activists who are camping out there, who are trying to be the last line of defence for the um, for the Galilee Basin. Um, yeah, just trying to stand up against the extractive industries who are pillaging this earth, that this this last earth that we have, this only earth that we have. So,
2: <laughs> no planet B. Yeah.
4: Mm. Um and no pee, exactly. absolutely.
2: And in your preparation, uh, just for I mean, I suppose out of interest and also if other people are interested, what are you kind of doing uh in preparation wise, you know, psychological or physical? Do you need a tent? That sort of thing?
4: <laughs> yeah, so the physical has been uh, uh yeah, I'm I've, I've, train. a training bad planner on the whole. <laughs> so the whole planning thing has definitely been left to the last minute, which is in the next few hours I'm gonna try and scrape together some um some, some tents and some, definitely some sort of warmth if I can manage to find it. But, um, but yeah, psychological's definitely been on the forefront of my mind. I've heard from a few people who have been up there that it is quite, um, mentally draining and that you have to sort of, you know, be, be quite strong if you want to stay up there for a while because mm. it's like, I mean, a downy like, there, they're a powerful bunch the extractive industry is a very powerful bunch and um you know we're in the midst of this climate collapse and if nothing's done in the next 10 years then it's, <laughs> civilization as we know it's not going to be the same so like we can't sit back and we can't let this happen and i think i think that that sort of desperation and that um yeah that energy it, it's it's powerful but it's also draining and so i think yeah trying to stay positive and trying to mm. be determined that we will stop this mine because we have to stop this mine. Absolutely. Yeah, and I,
2: I suppose with that with that idea of kind of self-care and the activist exhaustion, I remember I think one of my favourite quotes out of Extinction Rebellion is this is where despair in, ends and this is where tactics begin. So I suppose it's just kind of finding out how you on an individual basis can commit to this, you know, kind of fighting against the climate crisis and raising awareness whilst also maintaining self
4: Mm, exactly I think that's huge and I think um definitely just looking out for the people around you and continually checking up on everyone and yeah the yeah the activist space could be filled with with people with definitely yeah self-care is <laughs> huge
0: hi Tilly um I just wanted to ask you a question about um who you're going up with I know that um a lot of people head up as independent activists who go and join join the fight against Adani. But I was wondering, are you going up with a group of people or are you going up with a an organisation? What's your setup?
4: Well, my setup is definitely um the former. I'm I'm I've just sort of decided that I really wanted to get up there and so I am I am doing this alone. But I have been um in contact with some people who are up there trying to sort of organise um what what like is best for me to do and what is um if there's anything that they need to be brought up there, so I guess I guess I'm sort of like you know in contact with people up there. But um, yeah, in in relation to how I'm getting up there, there's definitely like some some pages on Facebook that I'm organising carpooling with, so like I won't be totally alone on the journey. And um, yeah, so that's yeah, that's just
2: just checking in, Tilly. Is that um your the kind of the conglomeration of different groups up there is that the friends of the Galilee basin
4: going on? Yeah, exactly. Right, the Irwin, so <laughs> that's, that's definitely like what we're um what what we're working with. So the friends mm-hmm. of the Galilee basin is um it's like it's a group of people that have literally been on the front line for like 4 years dedicated to this cause and um yeah, so obviously like Flasher's like Rebellion up there too and it's like it's it's a it's a group of um all those different kind of orgs, but definitely friends of Galley Basin. Um, yeah, that's an amazing group of people. and um, they actually have a fundraiser that's just gone live yesterday that's just like if, if you are if you are in Melbourne and you can't manage to get up to the camp and, and you're interested in this in this sort of thing, then um, yeah giving these people a bit of money who have been on the front line as our last line of defense against this mine. That would be really amazing. So, yeah, you can jump on Facebook and have a look at their page and yeah. have a look what they're up to. So that's just
2: at um, Friends of Galilee Basin. You can also head to um, chuffed.org forward slash project forward slash Friends of the Galilee Basin. Galilee is spelled G-A-L-I-L double E. We'll have all of that written down in our podcast so you don't have to listen back to me a 100 times to get that. Um, thank you so much, Tilly, for joining us. Good luck with your trip tomorrow. Um, and hopefully know. hopefully, we'll hear from you next week with some interesting updates.
4: Yeah, I hope I can get enough, com- enough like, cell coverage to give you a call from there. That would <laughs> be great.
2: That's going to be um, the experiment of the week next week. Well, yeah. thank you <laughs> so much for joining us today. No worries. Thank you for having me. No problem. And that just brings us about up to the end of the show, Will. Um, what, what, what have we kind of had today?
0: Uh, so early in the show, we heard from Dr. Chelsea Bond speaking on the Hey Auntie podcast. It was an excerpt of a long conversation around the, uh, the shortfalls of white feminism. And so, um, if you want to hear more about that, just search for Hey Auntie podcast in your, your search engine of choice. And you can also search up the Hey Auntie podcast in your podcast, uh, server. Absolutely.
2: We also had some uh, a fantastic conversation by Black Block with Viv, Robbie and Nick, who spoke with Dr. Anne Polina uh, about the Muduwara Lower Fitzroy River in the West Kimberley region of Western Australia. Um, as I said before, the Kimberley Land Council are kind of covering that at the moment mm-hmm. until there's more of an independent website kind of set up. But um, that's definitely an issue to tune in with. And we also just had Bevan from um, the Independent and Peaceful Australian Network. Just a shout-out. Apology to Bevan. I jumbled over the uh, IPAN's kind of...
0: Proper name. Proper name in the last bit. So, yeah,
2: Independent and Peaceful Australian Network, which is a really awesome organisation, just looking into them. Um, Talking to Bevan, he was telling me that they've been around since the Vietnam War, even a little bit earlier kind of thing. And it's just, yeah, wonderful history there of kind of peace activism. Um, And it was also interesting him kind of bringing a different angle into it. Usually Mm. we obviously... Obviously, first and foremost, there's a humanitarian aspect, and as mm. Will, you were great to remind us, there's always people behind this. Mm. Um, but it was really also fascinating to listen to how it—it's it's not strategically, it's not logically. Um, it doesn't make based. sense. Doesn't make sense. No rationale for there to
0: be a war with Iran. No, <laughs> Absolutely, okay. and no. I think
2: I think the thing to bring out of that is yeah. kind of like there is when there is no rational justification behind the war, it is. It is obvious that the war is there for blatant mm. reasons, blatant reasons of hatred and kind of or greed, or mm. th- there, there 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 is no strategic reason. No. So I really appreciate Bevan coming on and telling us about that. Um, Will, throw to you. What are you grateful for?
0: Oh, and then we just spoke to Tilly, who is oh, and an we independent just spoke to climate <laughs> activist, who is um heading up to the Galilee Basin to protest mm. and to um stand in the way of Edani's um uh, mine, which has gone through a lot of the pro- approval processes and is basically going to.
2: Come on, um, talk to us a bit more. Yeah. I'm um, yeah. sorry. So you're right. Uh, take two. Will, what are you grateful for?
0: I am grateful for this jumper that I'm wearing. It's a really nice jumper, and um, I'm really comfortable, even though it's got all these holes because it is second hand, or maybe it's even third hand. I don't know. But yeah, I'm comfy and I like it. How about you?
2: Mm, I am grateful for earrings. I've been putting on earrings. Well, you, you gave a shout out to my earrings. Which yeah, I appreciate.
0: they're so good. <laughs> I've been. I it's don't like know. It's like a I, knife just hanging off your ear. Yeah. yeah I'm into it. I,
2: I look. <laughs> I got me as PS1 18, and I haven't looked back. So <laughs> that's what I'm grateful for. Have a lovely Wednesday, guys. Have a lovely Wednesday. Enjoy Bye. those pop-up clouds of mist. And we'll see you next time.
6: Next
1: 3CR relies on the support of ethical
6: organisations to keep our vital community of voices on air. And we'd like to thank our breakfast supporters, the new international bookshop, Nibs, at Trades Hall, you can check them out at nibs.org.au and if you'd like more information on how your organisation can become a 3CR supporter, contact the station on 03 9419 8377. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.